This is episode number 49 of the Bearded Marketers Podcast, the only internet marketing podcast that matters. I'm Rob. And I'm Corey. You can catch new episodes every Monday of this podcast at thebeardedmarketers.com slash podcast. Of course, you can also find us on iTunes. Before we get started with the topics, the rundown of what we're going to be doing, Corey, I need to know what you're drinking because I wasn't paying attention when you were mixing it up. You were doing a lot of shaking in there. There was a lot of shaking, some smoke pouring out of the glass, but I made Sazerac, which is Pernod, Absith, Rye Whiskey, little bit of bitters and i added a couple sugar cubes because it was quite uh pungent (laughs) how about yourself so how is it is it amazing my head's swimming a little bit i won't lie after a couple (laughs) oh a couple okay (laughs) it's a tough Um, night it was a tough night i'm actually on my second old-fashioned as well which is pretty much the way that i make it is just a lot of bourbon one sugar cube a couple dashes of bitters your choice do you prefer oranges or not in yours? I don't do the orange thing. Okay. I, I do drop a maraschino cherry or Ooh. two in there just for a little bit of that cherry flavor. I really do love doing the blood orange bitters, but we are unfortunately out for this episode, okay. so we'll have to do that. We have to do a run to Total Wine. To, we have to get a shopping cart. To re-up on everything. <laughs> I mean, we have a long list of things we want to do. True. We want to roll out some new fancy cocktails. If you have any suggestions and you're listening to this, please hit us up on Twitter Call us 904-270-9603 with your suggestions. You don't have to give us the whole recipe. We'll look it up on Google. We know how to do that. (laughs) So moving right along, got some interesting topics for tonight. The first one, clean URLs. First of all, what is that? And also a new product that we've seen come through the market that might actually help with that in your marketing campaigns and why it might be important. Moving right along, fast websites, why they matter, some numbers behind that. This should be a focal point and all of your efforts online, especially in this year of 2014. And lastly, registration and checkout processes, some things to consider, some examples that you can check out, but kind of talking through that, how can we get people to register on our sites without losing them? That's always been a tough balancing act, but I don't want to give too much away. So we'll talk about that wrapping up the episode. Uh, But that has to pertain to a lot of people, not just e-commerce, but people use that for lead gen. And I mean, there's a lot of different applications. So clean URLs. Professor Rob, first of all, enlighten us. Actually, before we jump into the couple of the topics, I think maybe, do you want to talk about a couple of the latest things that have happened in the world of internet marketing? We have sure. Facebook's recent acquisition of WhatsApp. You know, not too long ago, they Head picked scratcher. up, what was it, Instagram? One of those yes, I believe so. type of picture sharing or things. Or Tumblr? No, for a ton. Yahoo took them. Yeah, Yahoo took Tumblr. They pick up Instagram. What was Instagram for? It was only like a billion or something like that? Only. Only. <laughs> WhatsApp. WhatsApp was uh, seventeen. Yeah, seventeen or nineteen billion dollars. So Facebook acquired WhatsApp for seventeen or nineteen billion dollars, whatever the number is. At that point, it doesn't matter. You're so obscenely rich. I didn't read too much about what was. I mean, I know what WhatsApp is. I think Mm -hmm. everyone sort of knows what WhatsApp is. I hadn't actually heard of it before this whole thing, but pretty quickly you can understand. Okay, basically, it's a text messaging app that allows you to do more things that SMS, standard SMS and MMS don't really allow you to do. So you can send videos. They sort of embed a lot better. Pictures, emoji icons, all that stuff. And it worked across platforms, Mm -hmm. which no one else really has at this point. Honestly, looking at it, it seemed very familiar to me in terms of like, it looks like iMessage. Like the design. Right, Right, exactly. And a lot of that functionality sort of works with iPhones, but it's within that iPhone you can only do that with other people who have iPhones. Sure. So WhatsApp allows you to do that cross-platform. You know, so over the last week, I talked with, you know, a bunch of people. I was at the last Marketing Sherpa event. So I talked to basically anyone I could run into. No one I know 
knows anyone who knows anyone who uses WhatsApp. It seems like it's huge overseas. You sure the first rule of WhatsApp is you don't talk about WhatsApp? Right. It's like seven degrees of separation for WhatsApp. <laughs> I feel like that's the only way you know someone who uses WhatsApp. I don't know. It's it's weird. It seems like something obviously people are looking for as a service, but it's a weird acquisition, I feel like, for Facebook. I don't know what the play is there. How do you monetize a messaging app, especially, uh, which I don't know if you ever, if you saw this, WhatsApp actually has a page dedicated on their website, specifically talking about how they're never going to build <laughs> in ads, Facebook. right? Because they actually have like a fight club quote in there about, huh. you know, ads are just trying to sell you things that you don't need hmm. so you can make more money to buy more things you don't need, whatever right. that quote is from Facebook. It, I don't club. know, it'd be an interesting play on how Facebook looks to monetize those people, especially because they already, they already have a messaging product themselves so it's kind of i don't Mm -hmm. know it'll just and they have chat and i don't know it should be interesting maybe it's just access to those customers which again that what's the cost there because i think they only had 500 million or less so that comes at a pretty heavy cost per user so i don't know it'll be interesting to see kind of how that plays out especially for how expensive it was but it's an interesting thing in our industry to note there were some big design changes on the google front i know adwords and analytics recently have rolled out new design updates which has further made us confused when we're trying to pull reports (laughs) and find things in those selected applications i will say one thing that i have appreciated in google adwords they've rolled out is a better top movers report i want to say maybe in june or july rolled out this report top movers which you could get a snapshot of What are some things in your AdWords account that have been moving around quite a bit and things you maybe need to pay attention to? But it sucked. (laughs) It didn't have any conversion data in it, which blew my mind. It was just really click performance or impressions, Mm -hmm. but had nothing to do with conversions. So really not the full picture. But recently with this new design rollout, they've also made some changes to their reporting and Top Movers has received some of this conversion data. So it's become more usable. So log into their account and get a good snapshot of some maybe things that they need to pay attention to that can sometimes get buried in some of the reports out there. Top movers might be something that you want to uh, pay a little bit more attention to now because there's actually some meaningful data. I know analytics got their design update and again, it's, I feel like it's getting more and more confusing to find mm-hmm. stuff and I don't know, just not a huge fan, but maybe I'm an old crotchety man like Clint Eastwood and Gran Torino and um, yeah, get off my lawn. <laughs> right. Uh, the, you know, the latest change I think was mostly just sort of a a facelift kind of thing. I'm not really sure if it looks better or not. It's kind of one of those things you have to get used to again. Sure. But I remember when they rolled out their new category structure in the mm-hmm. left-hand nav, that was super confusing for a very long time and very difficult to get a handle on. But one thing I do want to mention, Google employees, because I know you're listening out there because we have a ton of listeners. <laughs> Can you please make a mobile version? Can you please make an app? Can you please make something usable so that when I'm running super mission critical tests i can check on the status of those things from my mobile device i cannot yeah, if you had to take impossible. off the graphs or something that's fine i can read yeah. numbers that's fine i can do the math in my head yeah the problem yeah the problem is that left hand nav makes it impossible to pinch and zoom on anything and, mm-hmm. and whatever it's it's impossible i'm sure people have run into this before google fix that so i think i think those are all the things in sort of the news that we wanted to cover, we can okay. actually jump into our real... So clean URLs. The meat Enlighten of us. this episode. So clean URLs, right? What does that mean? You know, obviously for everyone out there who is familiar with Google Analytics, you're also probably familiar with the UTM tracking codes that we have to put on everything if we want to 
show data inside GA that includes things like campaign and source and medium on whatever else you're doing. You know, a lot of platforms or a lot of things like MailChimp, ESPs, uh, Google AdWords will auto tag a lot of that stuff for you. Affiliate programs as well. Yeah. So a lot of stuff, you know, adds those UTM codes on there. Mm -hmm. So you end up with these URLs if you go to your website that has, you know, all these variables on the end of this super long query string and you, your once beautiful URLs, thepeeredofmarketers.com slash videos slash UTM codes for a mile long because we're trying to figure out where our people are coming from. So not only does it look bad, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, I'm an aesthetic guy when it comes to websites. It bothers me not only that it looks like that, but also I think you run into the issue of the default share codes for a lot of social networking platforms. If someone then clicks the like button, they're liking that one specific URL that has all these tracking parameters mm-hmm. on there. If they want to email, right, if they want to email that to someone, it emails that super huge, ugly, long URL and if they want to like tweet it or whatever, same sort of thing. So you Which end up can actually destroy your tracking. Right, exactly. That's a good point. So not only are you not sort of directly tracking those people you wanted to track, now there's all sorts of this virality mm-hmm. involved with all these tracking URLs and campaigns. And if something gets picked up with the wrong URL, now your stats are destroyed. Right. So there's a lot of issues with those sort of tracking URLs. And so our friends over at Wistia, who we use and wholeheartedly recommend for video hosting for anyone who's got like professional business videos they want to host on their website. I know you use it for a few partners. Mm-hmm. We use it here on the Bearded Marketers. They've rolled out a new tool called Clean URLs. And this is free for anyone who wants to go check it out. Just Google it, uh, Wistia Clean URLs. And basically what this does is this JavaScript library that you can include on all of your pages. And it looks for a lot of those common tracking parameters that a lot of the big analytics platforms use. So UTM is obviously the most common one, the GA, but all the other platforms use unique ones. And so what it does is it looks for when those codes fire and when it can safely remove those parameters and actually updates the URL and the person's location bar to a nice, nice, clean, pretty, shortened URL that is then safe to share with everyone else and tweet about and all that other stuff. So just definitely something that you want to look into, especially if you rely on a lot of, I think, social traffic, I think is maybe my biggest concern. I mean, a lot of people just copy and email URLs or they'll post something on Facebook. Sometimes they don't necessarily, oddly enough, rely on those easy social sharing options, but will do it manually Mm -hmm. uh, or obviously using email channels and things like that. So I definitely think anytime we can clean things up, we'll benefit. And I've always wondered, does seeing complex URLs add to the fatigue of the user as well, kind of getting a grasp on where they are in the site and seems kind of like a small thing, but it's those small things that add up over time. So I think it's definitely something nice and it's not too complicated with this Wistia library to implement. I think it really help clean up some of the data, but also give just a nicer user experience and, yeah. and also clean up your social activities as well. I mean, that's all I really wanted to mention there. It's definitely a cool tool to go check out. Sure. It's open sourced. It's free. Uh, just Clean go URLs, Wistia. Yeah, exactly. Google, Google it. it, find it, implement it, get it set up, talk to your webmaster. So moving right along, something that we have talked about here on the podcast, but I cannot emphasize this enough, and that we need to continually look at how fast our websites are performing and why this is important, multiple reasons. Number one, who likes slow-loading sites? If you do, then you're a weirdo. That's a given, right? I, I do, as a matter of fact, love slow-loading websites. It gives me time to do other things while I'm surfing the internet. 
<laughs> like play tic-tac-toe or something exactly. <laughs> in, be, or in between bites of the light, dinner that light i'm your eating hurricane while I'm lamp. The internet. yeah exactly <laughs> so there's the aggravation of waiting for a site to load you also have to consider now that tablets and mobile devices have arrived and are significant parts of our traffic mix for many businesses those devices can oftentimes exacerbate our load times and and create a very slow experience for those people, especially depending on what their connection is, connection speed. Uh, But also, most search engines have also stated that page speed now for a while has been considered as a quality marker on how they rank sites. So not only is there this user experience side of things, why page load speed is important, But now your rankings in search engines can actually be adversely affected or positively affected, depending on your competition, with how fast you make your websites. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, when Google sends people places, that is somewhat a reflection on their quality of service. If they send you to crappy sites, then they start having the reputation of sending you to terrible sites. And so people stop using their service. So they're kind of chiefly concerned with the user experience as well. And that's why page speed is important. Also, what we've seen is there is some pretty concrete research that not only Google has published, but also Amazon has a very interesting study out there as well that looked at what does every second of page load actually cost. And actually, Amazon, because their traffic is so much and they were actually willing to divulge it, they actually were able to get down to the hundreds of milliseconds and how much that actually costs them. And so we'll tweet out some links to read through some of those studies. But what we wanted to talk about tonight is on a, on a base level, what we've seen from some of the research is up until two seconds for every second your website takes to load, that costs 7% uh, in conversions for multiple sites that have kind of run these studies. What's interesting is once you get past the two and a half to three second mark, that number starts going up exponentially uh, as people just get impatient for waiting for load. Now, what's interesting is I haven't seen really a lot of research into if your website is taking a long time on initial land versus page progression. So once I'm kind of in the site, do I tolerate that more? But I'm kind of even hesitant to talk about that because then it becomes a crutch. Like, oh, we just need to make our landing pages fast. You know, Mm -hmm. we don't have to pay attention to the rest of our site, which is definitely not the case. But so there are some real numbers that we need to pay attention to. And again, uh, competition out there is getting much more aware of this as as a user experience tool that we need to pay attention to. So, so what are some tools that we can use to speed up our sites? I would say to get a good grasp on where you stand, there are some tools out there that you can use, like webpagetest.com uh, has a great site that you can put in any page that you have and it will actually go and pull your page from multiple locations all across the U.S. I think they have some international locations as well. And what I would also recommend is go and pick some of your competitors and kind of see how you stack up. But what's nice about web page test is they will also give you some areas for improvement. They'll list out of our tests, here's where you failed, here's actually how you can improve that, here's some methods, and actually give you a grade on that. So it's not only just 
gives you some speed scores, but will also kind of help you. And it's good because it's something you can hand off to your tech mm-hmm. team and say, hey, which one of these is most difficult? And what do we need to do to maybe change those? Google actually has a product, PageSpeed Insights. Actually, you can get straight from analytics as well. Um, but what it will do is scan a page very much like web page tests and give you some recommendations. What's nice, I think, about the Google one that's unique to them is they organize it based on priority. So these are the issues that we've seen with your site. Here are the ones that you need to pay attention to the most because they're impacting speed the greatest, but also might be the easiest to fix as well and give you some uh, recommendations. Yeah, and I think that's a key one to pay attention to, especially because it's from Google. You know, you were Mm -hmm. talking about earlier how, you know, Google takes into consideration page load times and its ranking algorithm, it seems like that would be an obvious, easy plugin. So sure. take check out their PageSpeed Insights tool because that's the data that Google's probably using when it takes page load speed time into consideration for its ranking. Sure. I think my stance with page load speeds used to be, it, it switched recently. So for a long time, I felt like, you know, everyone's sort of got fast internet at this point, fast enough, right, for most websites. You know, when you start talking about video and super graphic heavy websites, that changes. But for most websites, I felt like page speed load times wasn't a huge issue. This is also pre like jQuery being involved in everything, mm-hmm. JavaScript. There was a while there where pe- people's pages and websites were fairly simple. Um, but especially now that mobile devices have just taken off, um, page load times are super important because not everyone is on wi-fi when they're surfing your Mm -hmm. your website on their iphone or whatever it is they may not have a great connection speed so every little bit really matters when you've only got that 3g connection and and a couple bars and you've got a slow download time your website takes forever and i'm just going back to google and finding someone else who's well and i was interested too i was actually on reddit the other day and people were talking about the comcast and time warner merger Mm -hmm. and internet got brought up because Comcast is involved. And I was surprised how many people, I mean, again, the sample size is much smaller, but how many people had quite slow internet still? And, it, you know, they talked about that's just kind of the only option that they have or that they could afford because the prices are so much. But we're talking about people that had one and a half meg down. I mean, like pretty slow connection speeds for what we're maybe used to kind of in a metro area. Um, And one other thing I I wasn't really aware of that a lot of people buy internet access for what their complex offers. So sometimes apartment complexes have like a deal that they sign with a provider and will offer you like a bundled thing that you can just pay with your rent. And that's why a lot of people have some of these slow speeds because they go in and, and sign pretty small contracts to keep the prices down at the cost of having just really slow internet. So it is something that I think some of us that maybe live in larger areas or have nice internet kind of lose sight of. But like you said, not only with mobile devices, but there's a lot of people out there that Mm -hmm. still don't have really fast access. And they're not going to just sit around and wait for your site to just be spinning there. So Yeah, I mean, that's a good point now that you mentioned that. You know, I was in Vegas recently, and hotel internet, I don't know what century that is still in. That's still in sort of the 90s. It's driven by the wind vane <clears throat> at top. Right, <laughs> top the of standard the internet was one meg 
a second download and you could pay a, a ton more for one and a half, which is just <laughs> outrageous, right? I mean, sure. the problem there is my cell hotspot thing wasn't any, any faster. So mm. my only options were super slow internet and it was painful for a week having to look at all of your slow websites out there on the internet. So speed them up. Some tips on that. Google actually has a product to kind of help you with that. So they have page speed insights. They also have a page speed a product that you can actually sign up for and use. It's actually free right now. But what it essentially does is helps automatically optimize some of the images requests that you have on your site and actually caches them for you. Uh, so that might be something to look at. It's pretty easy to implement. I would also recommend, it used to be really complex and people avoided it, but I would say for a lot of people that run maybe medium size to larger businesses, a CDN now is pretty much a requirement mm -hmm. to have someone that serves up your content from different locations just to give people the fastest experience. Make sure that you're looking at ways to optimize your images as well. I think we talked about GIFs last time about how to work with that set to have animations there but not have your file size out of hand. But that goes for any images that you use on your site. There are different types of ways that you can save images, different qualities that you can get away with, uh, different file size types that radically change how large an image is. You can also use sprites and other things. But I think for most people out there, they just need to be, again, chiefly concerned with how fast your page is loading. Maybe you don't know how technical to get into that arena, but there are some tools out there like web page tests, Google page speech insights to at least give you some sort of bearing on where you stack up with your competitors. And again, we'll tweet out some resources on yeah. maybe you can hand that off to your IT team or developer. Yeah, that was a good quick tip you had there about CDNs. Uh, mm -hmm. Both Rackspace and Amazon we've worked with in the past, and we can recommend those. Are The podcast is actually behind Rackspace CDN right, right now. So hopefully it's quick enough for everyone <laughs> out there. If you have any complaints, please tweet us. Mm -hmm. I will try to fix it. So moving right along, registration and checkout processes. So Rob, how can we get everyone to register on our site, not abandon, and give us all their money? Well, this was actually going to be a very long article. I was going to read a lot of tips and tricks and a lot of research. This is from eConsultancy. We both sort of came across this article this last week and wanted to bring it up on the podcast. I know you have a lot of experience with e-commerce websites. You know, that's what you do day in, day out. But, you know, I read all, all of this stuff and I was going to talk about it, like I said, but I think it really just boils down. It's a lot simpler than I think eConsultancy's article is trying to make this. And I think a lot of websites make it way more complex than it really needs to be. Obviously, there are benefits to retailers for someone creating an account. Sure. I think they're not quite as grandiose as eConsultancy is trying to make them out to. Obviously, again, you have more experience with this, but... Someone creating an account doesn't limit or doesn't give me more advertising ability to that person, right? So me directly as a merchant, someone signing up for an account, all that does for me is potentially make it easier for that person to come back and pay for things later, right? Because they've already got all their information saved. Them just going through the path as a guest, I've already got all their information. I can send them emails. You know, sure. and I know a lot of information about them. I know what they bought, all of those sorts of things. So I think the greatest benefit is to visitors themselves and how do you sell that to them, mm -hmm. but also make the path super easy to use. I feel like so many websites try to fork you off, right? right. You get, always get to a page that's like, you know, sign in or continue as a guest or register or whatever it is. And I feel like that's probably not the best way to do that. I think you probably want to send people, most people down the same path 
And at some point you're going to be asking for an email address. And as they fill it in, you know, maybe say, oh, this is already assigned to an account, like click here to quickly log in and you won't have to fill any of this rest of the stuff out. Right. Right. And if it's not already assigned to an account, you know, you keep a form at the bottom that says, you know, add a password really quickly. It's mm-hmm. optional to create we'll an account after the check and, and come back for all that stuff. I think that that's it's so easy. Mm-hmm. Every website makes it so hard. Obviously, there's technical limitations. But I wanted sure. to get primarily your thoughts, honestly, on mm-hmm. this. You know, like I said, I'm not going to read through all this. If you want to read through all this, check out eConsultancy's website for yeah. those listeners out there. Well, I think that one of the points you made is is really the biggest thing that I notice is a poor marketing job at why people should get accounts. Even in the word register, at least here in the U.S., brings up thoughts of maybe like filling out an application for a credit card or, or, you know, when I'm trying to purchase something, most of the time I'm not looking for extra work. We're all busy. And how most sites present this register an account for most people in most businesses, that doesn't actually take any more work than guest checkout, but just the word choices that are generally associated with creating an account and do kind of this idea that I'm going to have to spend probably an extra five, 10 minutes filling out what my grandmother's name is, where do I live, what is my favorite dog name, and all these other things to create an account, which really isn't the case. And I've always been a proponent of just simplifying the process and putting people down. You know, if someone is already a member, then we can go ahead and speedily put them throughout the checkout because we have a lot of the information. But getting people down this guest or regular checkout method and allowing them to create an account secondarily, whether we do that in the order complete page, we can do that with things like provide us your name and email and we'll send you your order account or your tracking information and not necessarily getting in the way of the process and not necessarily tricking people into an account, but making that whole process seamless. And you're allowed the opportunity to explain your benefits at the most relevant times. Sometimes we do this at the beginning of the checkout when I'm trying to just give you my money Mm -hmm. and input my shipping information and check out And now you're kind of throwing all these other items at me and it just kind of mucks up the whole situation where it might make sense to bring in those information points when they're a lot more relevant. And then you're not introducing this extra anxiety or processing power in the user's mind. Um, So, yeah, I think that's a huge point. It's the extra anxiety of just the headline on that forum where I got to fill out, you know, my Mm -hmm. shipping information, calling that create your account. Instead of just tell us where to ship whatever it is, you know, whatever, just tell us your shipping information. Mm -hmm. That's a big difference. You know, when I'm creating an account, I feel like it's this whole outside process before I'm even allowed to get in there and really give you my money. I got to do this whole separate thing. Whereas if you just ask for the really one or two additional fields that you might need to create an account, you can word it as create a password to be able to track your order Mm -hmm. and just have enter your password, re-enter your password, that kind of thing just at the bottom of your shipping fields. That's, I mean, of course I'm going to do that. That's easy. But when you make it that whole separate path, I just don't want to deal with that. And that extra decision, you know, there's that step beyond the cart and now it's like I'm faced with three or four decisions. Am I an existing customer? Do I want to create an account? Am I in the rewards club? Do I want to guest check out as well? And I'm already maybe kind of hesitant or on alert at this process because I'm getting ready to give you my payment information and check out. And now you're already walling me off and trying to make all these decisions that, again, I think your flows need to be better thought out. And I think you would have higher conversion rates. 
So we're going to tweet out the link to the e-consultancy blog post for you to check out. But I would caution you to think through what Rob and I have talked about and not necessarily just looking to put a nice dress on the pig or the problem that still, you know, is going to be present with all these sorts of paths that users have to kind of navigate and better thinking a more thought out and better optimized flow throughout checkout where creating an account maybe is a little bit more seamless and just the additional couple fields you can introduce at the most relevant times might be the actual best way to go about that. But that's going to wrap it up for us on this episode number 49 of the Bearded Marketers. One away from 50. Wow. Wow. I'm just mind blown that we've come so yeah. far. Give us a call 904-270-9603 if you have a topic you would like us to talk about. Maybe you're just scratching your head, bosses yelling at you, you just don't know where to turn. Give us a call. We got a lot of experience in the industry, and if we can't help you, we can certainly put you in contact with someone that can. But that's going to be it for us. Thank you for your time. If you enjoyed it, leave us a rating on iTunes. It'd be much appreciated. Also, Rob's been working really hard on some great video content. We got some more tune-ups coming out as well, so keep an eye on our video section. Getting a lot of good feedback on that. So if you have an idea for us to cover on videos, drop us a comment on our Contact Us forum or on one of the videos and we'll definitely check it out but we'll see you next week <laughs>